Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Football Chat Podcast. I'm Chris Coughlin and this is a little taste of what's coming up. If I'm allowed, I'm going to change my mind and say Villa, Bournemouth and Norwich. Let's check VAR. Yeah, that's fine. Cool, awesome, right? (laughs) That's fine then. And of course, as always, I'm joined by the fantastic Balve Baines, but now a relocated Balve Baines. How are you, mate? Yes, I'm good. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, like you said, uh, I am relocated. I'm down back home in Bedford, which is sort of surreal after being in the Northwest for the last like two years. And uh, and you've just started your new job as well? I have, yeah. So it's been sort of sort of coming um, that I've been looking forward to this. So I've started like a new company, uh, Beans Media, who have been making this podcast, but I'm sort of like branching out and doing other things within out. So it's keeping me busy, it's keeping me out of trouble, and <laughs> I'm excited about where, where I can go with it. Ah, good man, sounds like fantastic, and I'm sure uh, you'll be keeping us all up to date on a future podcast as well. Um, let's get into the main topic of discussion, and that yes. is a football, of course. Uh, that's why we named the football chat. Um, <laughs> and uh, a pretty good place to start would be uh, last Thursday. Yep. Uh, when Willian scored the penalty for Chelsea, it became then a, a kind of tense last 15 minutes of the bridge, but basically. Yes. The outcome was that Liverpool were confirmed Premier League champions last Thursday night. And Balve, as a Liverpool fan, can you quite sum up what it means to you? Just, uh, I've, I've been trying to find the words and my vocabulary is just isn't big enough for, <laughs> for me to say how excited and how overwhelmed and just a relief it was. For, for us to win to win the title it was it's been a long time coming it's been it's been confirmed not confirmed but it's been on the card since like January February but like I said in last week's podcast I didn't want to say anything I didn't want to jinx it but yeah Chelsea's win at the bridge last week just made it all the more sweeter and it was a loss against Man City and we're also playing uh, Man City tonight as well. Yeah, the course, yeah we're, we're, we're recording this on a Thursday, 2nd of July, just past four o'clock. So, um, obviously, we don't know what uh, the Liverpool uh, or the Manchester City Liverpool score will be. Hopefully, a win for, for Liverpool, of course. But as you say, the relief is arguably the most overriding yeah. factor, isn't it? Because the, so many near misses, um, and don't get me wrong, you know, there's, there's far worse news than a club not winning a league title for 30 years, the likes of you know, the, the terrible news about Wigan Athletic yesterday. and Obviously, our, our wishes go to everyone at the club and hopefully that all gets sorted out as soon as possible. But as you say, regarding Liverpool, it, it just it was, the, it was the culmination of so much hard work, especially under Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, no, massively. Like, especially after the season before, where I don't know about you, but the 2018-2019 season, it got to a point where it just wasn't comfortable watching Liverpool. And every time they played, I personally was just on edge. And I, I, I was very close to having a heart attack just every time they, they were playing. It was just, just nerve wracking. And it was just was, yeah, very, very uncomfortable. So for us to turnover a year and a bit later to have our hands on the Premier League trophy with red ribbons down either side is beautiful. just it's beautiful. just a beautiful beautiful thing to, to hopefully see and hopefully we can we can celebrate with the team when it's safe to do so as you say last year yeah they came so close got 97 points missed out by a point that 
That is unprecedented in mm. any league in the world. That is just remarkable. Um, and for them to maintain that consistency, because you're talking about mental strength, aren't you? You, you could arguably say that the most important game of the last 12 months wasn't a league game at all. It was the European Cup final because if Liverpool hadn't won that game, I mean, we don't want to think about that, but if Liverpool hadn't won that game, what kind of attitude would the players have taken? How how difficult would it have been to keep their heads high and think that they could go again and, and win this Premier League? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's It's just the... It could have gone one of two ways. If Liverpool did lose that game um, in Madrid, it could have gone one of two ways. It could have gone the way where you could see Liverpool going down a sliding slope, just going down, down the league. Or, thankfully for us, it's gone down the way we've seen it and what we've seen in the last 12, 13 months where they've just dominated. And this is coming from... I've got my neutral hat on right now. I've got my unbiased hat on right now. I'm not speaking as a Liverpool fan in the next minute or so but Liverpool have just dominated every single game they've gone into and that is not just on the pitch but off the pitch with their recruitment with their the way they're playing the way they conduct themselves from the cleaner to the manager to the CEO everyone in between they've just done things I believe again being unbiased in the right way yeah yeah best kitchen staff in the country mate I tell you right now um so obviously Liverpool's first Premier League title as well, first for 30 years, um, or first top flight title for 30 years, I should say. How far can this squad go now, do you feel? I don't know. Where, where could they go? They've, they've won the Champions League. They've won the Club World, world uh, it, Champions It's about maintaining that, isn't it? Because of course. Yeah, Manchester United down the years, their best... I mean, Ronaldo left eventually, but not until he'd had a lot of success exactly yeah so do, do you think Liverpool well they've got the title now but do you think Liverpool will start chasing Man City's records now because we've got I, seven seven games left I don't think that there'll be any let up I don't think there'll be any let up in attitude absolutely um, because there me, was there was talk where Liverpool were going to start playing the younger players do you think that will happen I, I think I think towards the last few games of the season, I think you will see more substitute appearances from the likes of Harvey Elliott, Nico Williams, Curtis Jones. I think they are sensible things to look for, if I'm honest with you. Um, but in the short term, it is about chasing those records. I mean, you saw Manchester City a few years ago when they got to 100 points. They got to 100 points with pretty much the last kick of the entire season with Gabriel yeah. Jesus against Southampton. And Liverpool won't just want to get to 100 points. They want to break that. And there is hardly any room for any sort of slip up in results let up in performances they have to keep at it they have to keep at that consistency and there will be opportunities to blood the younger players blood the fringe players a bit more but I think the attitude from within is there'll be opportunity to blood those players when Liverpool are 3-4-0 up in games yeah of course um, and I think that that's the attitude that has made Liverpool so ruthless this season, and it, it, it's the epitome of the attitude that that is now at the club. Yeah, definitely. I read a uh, I read a stat, and I know Chris, you love your stats. They uh, <laughs> uh, Liverpool have won more trophies than league losses in the last two years, which is I don't it's know. Just, it's it's remarkable crazy. Consistency. That's a crazy consistency. 
Um, we'll move on now to uh, to the rest of the Premier League because there is still so much to look at. Um, we'll start with the battle for the European places. Um, I cannot emphasise the word battle enough, to be honest yep. with you. Um, caused by two things, really. Um, the form of both Manchester United and Wolves and the lack of form, certainly from Leicester, but obviously Chelsea's defeat against West Ham last night. Um, we'll start with Wolves and Manchester United, and in particular, one man who just can't stay out the footballing headlines at the moment, and that the is back pages. Bruno Fernandes. Yes, yeah. He is, he is something special, isn't he? He is. I, he's just, since he's joined um, Manchester United, they've, they've just become a different team. Just with, without him playing and with him playing, they just seem like a different animal. And looking across, it's just incredible. And he came off the other day and the commentators were saying that is the secrets to his success might be the gallon of milk that he was drinking <laughs> at the at the end. So I'm not going to lie, Chris. That's what I've started doing. Maybe I'll become a Premiership footballer. <laughs> not a bad tactic. <laughs> um, I, I, I tell you, just I know his first was deflected um, the other day, but the second was just kind of an epitome of the way he has transformed Manchester United. I know one player shouldn't make a team. Well, you can just tell he's influencing those around him because you look at it now and even watching the game, you've got Rashford, you've got Martial, you've got Fernandez, you've got Mason Greenwood, who looks like he's actually guaranteeing a bit of a spot in that Manchester United role in that Manchester United team right now. And then something I was noticing a lot more, um, certainly on the right-hand side, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, he's known so much for his defensive abilities. He's, he's fantastic defensively. But he was literally playing as a right winger. He was. He was going. He was going up, yeah, wasn't he? It, it's something that I do think, in terms of Wamasaka's all-round game, he needs to develop. That is, is going forward, as certainly as a fullback in the modern game. But that's almost just a change of attitude, isn't it? Yeah. Just a slight of like this slight. Just I think uh, Oli just moving, pushing him a little bit more forward and acting as a winger, like you said, has just provided another service for the front two. And also the link-up between him and Pogba. I know we, not, we haven't seen it much, but what do you think the future are, is between, the, between them two? For Paul Pogba, certainly, you'll have to get used to playing in a more deep-lying playmaker role um, as opposed to a bit more box-to-box. Um, you'll still have that freedom. But you've got Matic, who's played the last few games and played very well. You've got Paul Pogba next to him, as opposed to next to Fernandez, which is working. Um, it, it, it is working. He's kind of picking the ball up, almost having the pitch, the whole, the whole of the opposition half in front of him. He's got the time. He can pick a pass. Because, don't get me wrong, we all hear criticism of Paul Pogba all too regularly for me certainly in terms of his football ability, because I, I really do rate Paul Pogba. Certainly, the way he played for France at the World Cup is arguably the way that he is now playing for Manchester United, or the role, certainly, that he will now be playing for Manchester United. Um, and I think he could well be a bit of a natural at it. I, I do like the way he picks the ball up, and he won't, Ollie won't take that box-to-box inside of his game, because Paul Pogba, you know, he won't lose that. Yeah. But you will have to learn a bit of discipline to fit into that system because Fernandez will be the dedicated 
central attacking player, the, the, the number 10, as, as we like to say. Definitely, yeah. And I think you mentioned the player already that allows Pogba and Fernandes to do what they do, and that's Matic. He, I think, has allowed them to, to flourish. And I think he's very, very underrated in that Manchester United team. I honestly, it was a few years ago, I can't remember who originally kicked it off for me, but I there was a point where I just became obsessed with watching defensive midfielders. At, at some point, it was just like watching their positioning, watching how they, go about, how they go about the game. I mean, even that breakaway goal, he Matic was the one that started it off. Yeah, exactly. With, with uh, clearing it down the left wing towards Greenwood. And I just really appreciate good defensive Midfielders. I mean, say for example, I know when West Ham lost 2-0 at Spurs the other week, I thought Declan Rice played out of his skin. I thought, for, certainly from West Ham perspective, he was the best player on the pitch. Yeah. And I just I just appreciate them just because they are they are their impact can't be measured by goals or assists, defensive midfielders. And we almost kind of get lost in how well they're doing because tackles and Interceptions, not the easiest um, stats to track because you have to have you actually have to go to websites and look for them and those kind of things. They don't come up just during games and things like that. Um, maybe they'll come up for the entire season, but and if they get a man of the match award, they might show how many interceptions they've made. But they are trickier stats to track interceptions and tackles, and the work that defensive midfielders do it can't be under it can't be understated. It really can't. No, definitely. I think you mentioned Declan Rice. I, I watched the same game. And if West Ham go down, I think he's gone. I think Declan well, Rice is, all, is gone. Yeah, definitely. Where, where, In my opinion. <laughs> I, yeah, no, obviously. But if he's eyeing up a place in the England squad next year in the Euros, then he'll have to go. And I know there'll be so many suitors for him that would want his services. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, and Wolves as well. Um, it's it's funny because I wouldn't say they have a dedicated holding player. They've got Matinho and Neves, who are both kind of deep line playmakers in their own right. Um, but the big thing with Wolves since the restart, no goals conceded, and they're the only team to have taken nine points so far. Just how impressive you've been with them? They've been incredible, especially with the link up with Jimenez and Torore. They've just been incredible. Just the link up. It's like it sort of reminds me of like a. Teddy Sheringham and Andy Cole, sort of old school Man United uh, back in that era. They just seem to be psychic with each other. They know where each other's running. They know where each other are going to be. And their passes, they find each other. It's just incredible. I mean, when you've got someone as good as Traore now that he's added end product to his game, because that was always the big thing about Dama Traore. Everyone knew what he was good at. It was then about adding end product to his game. And he's doing that now. And when you've got someone that can finish it off, like Raul Jimenez, yeah. then there is a lot of reasons for Wolves fans to be excited because they are now only two points off fourth. Which, yeah, it's incredible. And also, we still haven't talked about the Manchester City Cass ruling, which, again, could throw another spanner into the works. Yeah, we're, I don't think we're too far away from finding out, certainly, the, the verdict of that. But, of course that could shake things up massively if fifth then becomes a Champions League place. Um, and for me, the reason why they could that, that could shake things up, um, you have to look at Leicester and Chelsea. And you could easily say for them, it could actually provide a bit of a cushion. But certainly for Leicester, the form they're in, do they have to start getting worried? 
I think they do. They've they've not been games where I th- where I thought they would win. They've they've lost. And speaking about Chelsea yesterday, I thought that was a dead cert that they would win. And they got a new shirt which said three on it. I, I have uh, to do say, like- for, for, first point, I don't like that shirt. It looks like I a training do- top, doesn't it? I Honestly, right. I, I for, Okay, this is a podcast, so obviously you can't see it. But I've got like a black t-shirt on now. I kind of have an idea of, say this was, say I was just wearing like a normal, plain, dark blue t-shirt. Literally, if I just painted the collar and painted the sleeves, or the bottom of the sleeves, then I'd have the new Chelsea kit. Yeah. No, you would. I just, I just, I just nah, I, I don't like it. I don't, but that, yeah, I just didn't like it. But I get what you're getting at with the sponsor, certainly. They came in for a bit of uh, trolling, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, social media was uh, alight with uh, memes from that Chelsea score last night. Um, and rightly so. Chelsea should have Chelsea sh- should have put that game to bed early. The form, but... the, the form West Ham have been in as well. I just think they've been, they have been so poor. But, right, it took me so long to even vaguely understand this for someone that you know watches so much football Suchek's first goal in inverted commas or inverted uh, quotation marks yeah for you how did, do, you, do you have you got your head uh, around that it was a VAR decision wasn't it where yeah. he the, the guy was sort of the defender was sort of fallen over and he was marked marked as offside I'm just really struggling to accept that was offside to be honest with you it's no, is it? Do you reckon it's VAR making a mistake again? It's it just for me. I, okay, there, there, okay. There is no questioning that Antonio was offside. He his his upper body was in an offside position, and I will not debate that. What I will debate is the influence of him because he wasn't obstructing Kepa with the Balaga. No. The only thing I can say is that he, by li- by lying on the floor, he didn't allow Aspilicueta a clean swing at the ball. But I, I, if I was a West Ham fan, look, I know they won the game, so in, in, a, in a way it's kind of academic. Yeah. But if I was a West Ham fan, I would have been not happy, let's just say. Yeah. Do you know what I, I would love to see? This is something I've been thinking about the last maybe two or three years about the Premier League. I think, as well as players and as well as managers, I think referees all, should be on, on should teammates. be should be interviewed after the game yeah, because then I've they can they that. can they because then they can explain their decisions or possibly have a mic where they're mic'd up. I, I don't, I'm not an I'm not an expert or I would never say I am, but I think where a referee could explain their actions and explain the decisions that they did, I think that could be beneficial for us, the fans. Yeah, you've literally just taken the words out of my mouth because I was going to say the most, the people that would benefit from that the most are the fans. Yeah. Because they deserve a right to know why decisions have been made. Yeah. Is there Absolutely. a reason? I'm, I can't think of a reason why they wouldn't. Like, if I, was, if I was being trying to be impartial, so I was trying to be on the referee side, what is the reason for not explaining their decisions? I can't think of one. Maybe I'm being, I don't know. I just can't think of a reason why they wouldn't. I'm I'm on I'm on board with you there, man. I'm I I'm very much on board with you. I, I've always thought that, given the amount of controversy that, that happens, I, I just think fan, fan, fans have a right to know. Um, so in terms of the battle for European places, it is so tight. You have Leicester on 55, Chelsea on 54. As I say, then Manchester United and Wolves both on 52. Certainly in terms of 
Champions League places. I know that the, there's a lot of teams battling it out even for, for the Europa League. Everton have got themselves right back into that race as well. They have, Certainly yeah. in terms of the top four, based off... Okay, we'll work off that the top the Champions League places will remain in the top four. We'll work off that basis because, of course, we don't know the ruling yet. Okay. Who do you think finish in the top four? Oh, that's a good question. If you're asking so my third heart... Third and fourth. Third and fourth. If you're asking my heart, I'd say Burnley. 100, <laughs> 110%. <laughs> 110%. And I know there's people listening that would argue with me to the cows come home, but I'm standing my ground. <laughs> I've just, um, I just love the way Burnley play, and I just love the way they, they do things. And also, I, I've done some... a really good win for them. At, oh uh, at, yes, at, at Crystal Palace, and they've kept well. Nick Pope has kept the most clean sheets so far this season, as of as of right now, which is fantastic, really, isn't it? Yeah. Who who do you think would would um, go into that for the top four? Yeah. Well, I'm saying right now, and I said just before um, the shutdown as well that I believe Manchester United will finish in the top four. Absolutely. Their form is one thing, but then their fixtures, Bournemouth at home, Bournemouth at Old Trafford. And now I have to say, Bournemouth at Old Trafford, I think that maybe a cricket score will be a bit harsh, but I, I think Manchester United will really rack up some goals there. I really yeah. do. Based, you know, combined with their form and Bournemouth... Lack of. We'll, we'll, we'll come on to them in a minute. Aston Villa away, Stampton at home, Crystal Palace away, West Ham at home, and Leicester away. I am struggling to think or see how Manchester United will not finish in the top four. Regardless of what they achieve in the Europa League, I think Manchester United will be playing Champions League football next season. As for fourth, because I think United could easily finish as high as third for me. I think... with I the really fixtures, with the fixtures you've just said, it's, I can't see them dropping any points. But this, this is football, and we can speculate. We can <laughs> this speculate. Is this is, <laughs> and we can speculate to the yeah, to mm. for ages. But I don't see Man United dropping any points, especially with the form that they're in. No, and for Chelsea, well, for me, it's between Chelsea and Wolves because I, I'm actually struggling to see it, when you are on a slippery slide that Leicester are. It's difficult to then stop that, and. It, for me, given given even the cushion that they had, I think they will finish outside the top four. That that's my personal opinion towards it. And if they you know if they finish in the top four, I think Rogers done a fantastic job to stabilise the ship. Between Chelsea and Wolves, it is that is just so tough. And they play each other on the final day. Oh, okay. Pitch, which is absolutely crucial. Ah. Uh, if I had if I had to nail my colours to the mast, I think that maybe it's a bit boring to go with Chelsea because Wolves would be maybe a bit more romantic yeah. version. But <laughs> I, I I think Chelsea will have enough. I think they'll recover and I think they will have enough. They do have Liverpool away, which again is a crucial, crucial game. But I think Chelsea will just have enough to see off Wolves and finish in the top four. But again, that's just us presuming that the top four will remain Champions League places. If it goes down to fifth, I think Wolves have a great chance. Yeah, I think with with Chelsea's current squad and with the players that they've got coming in, 
I think they anything less than Champions League is will be, and it is. She's uh, saying that I've just had a thought. It's Frank. It's Lampard's first season. Um, he has done well. There is still a lot I mean. to work on. Yeah, that's what I mean. So coming into a into a Champions League position, if you said to Frank at the beginning of the season, right, you 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 can have Champions League football at the end, I think he would take that take that yeah, with both hands. Yeah, you have to look at it in perspective. He's taken over. He didn't have a chance to make transfers. He he brought he did bring in youth. Obviously, he's bringing in Ziyech, Werner, links with others. But when you look at it, obviously West Ham did the double. Over Chelsea, Manchester United have done the double over Chelsea. They've been beaten by Newcastle. They lost to Bournemouth at Stamford Bridge. There is still a lot to work on from Lampard, and I think being in the Champions League will only help that. So I'm gonna, I am gonna go for Manchester United and Chelsea to finish inside the top four, but Wolves to finish fifth. You're right, at, if it goes down that far. Um, next up, relegation. Now, we chatted an episode or two ago yep. about the relegation battle. And I am thinking that it could possibly become a bit anticlimactic. Maybe down in part to West Ham's sensational win last night. That was a really, really good performance and result. Because first of all, the performance warranted the three points for my money. I thought they were absolutely fantastic. And it's put a gap it's put a gap between them. Now, I said to you, I think I said to you uh, a while back that if there was a team that I could see at least getting themselves out of it as opposed to a team just not being able to pick up a win, it was West Ham for me. Yeah. Just because there's enough quality in there to get out of it. What What do you think now? I know it's only 30 points that they moved on to, but is that enough of a barrier for them to start thinking about safety or how much more do they need? I think they need... It's a difficult one because they are three three points above safety. With uh, as the goal difference has to be said as well. Yeah, they have. Yeah, so it is. I don't know. It's it's a difficult one for me. Norwich obviously going down. That's a that's 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 a given. I think being at being six I, points I think we behind them. Go back to a few podcasts ago and just remove, just edit, <laughs> and just remove every little <laughs> credit that I gave them, please. Yeah, my dignity. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, it's a tough question, Chris. I, I think I want to say, because I did watch the West Ham-Chelsea match yesterday, and they played so, so well, and they didn't play like a team that are in the bottom half of the league. They didn't play like a team that are 16th currently. So it's it's a hard one to say. So to answer your question, I don't think I can answer the question. <laughs> no, do you think... When you look at West Ham, though, as I say, 30 points, normally that'd be nowhere near enough. Is it a platform, though, in terms of going, moving up? Because they've got Newcastle away, although Newcastle did put together a fantastic performance at Bournemouth, scoring four goals. But then West Ham, they have a nice run now. And I have to say, looking at this... Apart from so Man United. Apart from yeah, Man United. Apart from yeah. United they have, yeah. Newcastle, Newcastle away, Burnley home, Norwich away, Watford home, and Villa at home. Obviously, Manchester United just before the Villa game. If I was a West Ham fan now, I'm looking at that. I don't see a way West Ham can go down. They're, they're, uh, it's a good run of games. It is a I very, very be, good run of games. I would be very surprised if they went down. I know, look, form... For, can sometimes mean more than fixtures, but 
they have literally the footballing scheduling fixture gods have said to them, <laughs> you wanted a run in to get yourselves out of trouble. Here it is. There we go. And I, it, I, I as I say, I, I will be very surprised if they go down. Yeah, I, I see them apart from the Man United game where, where we've just talked about. I, I don't see them dropping points. Maybe maybe against. Burnley, but I'm only saying that because I'm a Burnley fanboy. Uh, so <laughs> they, they might draw against uh, Burnley, but again, they, I don't, I don't, yeah, it, yeah. I think that's the words I was trying to say, Chris. That it is, it's you rather you have it in your hands and you control your own destiny, where you can play for games and the manager can rile you up and say, look, this is what we've got, this is what's coming up, it's up to you, rather than have it in the hands of, of another team who are going to predict your fate. One hundred percent. So then, for me now, it's two from three: Watford, Bournemouth, and Aston Villa to decide the two final relegation places. And what I ask you for this, with regards to certainly Aston Villa and Bournemouth, do you see Bournemouth and Villa getting out of it as opposed to Watford being dragged back into it? I'm not sure, Chris, because. Looking at Bournemouth's run of games, it's very, very difficult for me to see them picking up any points. They've got Manchester United, they've got Spurs, they've got Leicester, Manchester City as their last few games. And at the end, they've got Southampton and Everton. Now, if you look at those games, you can't see them picking up many points, if any. If all the teams are playing so, so well at the moment that they're playing, it would be difficult for me to see them picking up any points. I have, I have to say, and the thing for Bournemouth, I know we've said it a few times, but it's the complete lack of any sort of creation chances now. Not helped by the fact Callum Wilson got a two-game ban, so he's banned as well for the Manchester United game, which is a further blow. When it comes to Aston Villa, I have been disappointed with them since the restart. I think... Against Chelsea, they put in a decent enough display. I, I was surprised they went in front, to be honest with you. I didn't think that um, well, they had a chance in that game. And even yeah. to go in front was fair play to them, but obviously falling apart and Chelsea scoring two in two minutes. Um, and again, when I look at their run, it is a toughie. You've got Liverpool the away at the weekend, Manchester United at home, Everton away, Arsenal at home. Crystal Palace and West Ham games are crucial. I mean, that West Ham game could be what saves Villa. But as we say, I expect the West Ham to be safe by that point anyway. Yeah, no. So that's all in the in the last day of the season. So it could all come down to the wire. It could be the best final day we've had for a long time. In terms of relegation, yeah. So everyone's talking about the top end of the season, how it's all done and dusted, which it is. It is. But in terms of relegation, in terms of finance, in terms of going down to the championship, this could be... This could be very, very interesting. And you look at Watford as well. I mean, they had a chance against Southampton at the weekend because I think with Watford, I always look at them and think there's enough there to get a result. But it was a really poor showing at home to Southampton, losing 3-1, although Danny Ings has had a tremendous He has been on fire. He's been on fire. He's been incredible. He's, he's, he's someone that's dragged them clear, isn't it? Because when they lost 9-0 to Southampton, <laughs> you could argue it... Sorry. When they lost 9-0 to Leicester, you could argue that a lot of people had them arguably gone then. It's been such a turnaround. And I know 
a lot can happen in football. But even then, they lost 9-0 at home to Leicester and then went away and beat Leicester 2-1. And that you know, just showed the turnaround in such a short space of time. Um, just a word on Southampton and Ralph Hassan Hull. How well has he done to gather the troops and, and steer them clear? I think, like you said, with with the emergence of... Well, I think emergence is probably the wrong word, but the form of Danny Ings and him just banging in goals left, right and centre. There's talk of him maybe in the contention to be in the golden boot, which is incredible. No, I, I, absolutely. Um, one sec. <laughs> okay. No, absolutely. Um, and looking at, go back to Watford, looking at their fixtures, there's three toughies, but in a similar way that I see West Ham getting out of it based on fixtures, Watford have a three-game run of Norwich at home, Newcastle at home, and West Ham away. So that, that West Ham one away, away can be a crucial one. But even just those two, Norwich and Newcastle, say, we're, say they were to win, both of them. That's where I then struggle to see teams making back the points because a lot can happen in football. And I, what we are not saying that Bournemouth and Aston Villa cannot get results. That's not, you know, at no point are we saying of they course. can't. Yeah. It's just very difficult to see where, isn't it? It is, yeah. So, see, so if you had to answer the question, who do you think is going down? Because we, we tried to answer it a couple of episodes ago. And I think we did come to a final three. But would, would you change it? Would you do anything different now? We are, what, two weeks into the restart of the season? I, uh, so obviously Norwich. But then the bottom three, I can't see it changing. The only thing I can see changing maybe position of Bournemouth and Aston Villa, to be honest with you. Yeah. I struggle to see where they're going to get the firepower. Um, and quite simply, defensively, they haven't been good enough. That has you've got to look at that and analyze that before you can even start looking at chances created. If you can't defend, you have to score more goals. Yeah, it's the and old you, it's the old cliche, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it, that's why keeping clean sheets is so crucial for so many reasons. Not least of all that if you concede a goal, it sound this is the most basic thing ever, the most basic analysis of all time. If you concede one goal, you need to score two to win a game. That's, you're amazing, Chris. That, this thank is why you. this thank is why you're on the you. football chat. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. I know um, my my intelligence is very limited, but I like to think I say some things. Um, <laughs> but it, it literally is a case that if you can see, as I say, if you can see one goal, you just go two to win a game. And struggle. And what I'm struggling to see from Aston Villa and Bournemouth is where they'd get two goals yeah. from. No, I, I, I'm thinking the same thing. Like looking through their squad, I can't see. I can't see a standout player where I go, yes, that's the man. That is a guy who's going to start soaring goals because you can't, in either squad, you can't see anybody of that ilk. No, absolutely. So I think we'll be sticking with those three, aren't we? I think I'm going to have to agree with you, yeah, because I did say a couple of uh, episodes ago that I would stick West Ham in the bottom three, but I think I'm going to, if I'm allowed, I'm going to change my mind and say Villa, Bournemouth, and Norwich. Let's in... check VAR. Yeah, that's fine. Cool, awesome, <laughs> right? That's fine then. So yeah, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go with you, Chris, and say say the three that are at the bottom right now. So that's all for this episode of the football chat. Thank you very much to Balve. Thank you, thank you, Chris. 
And thank you to everyone at Beans Media for their support in producing this podcast. You can listen to all episodes of the Football Chat so far on Spotify. Until next time, stay safe, everyone, and goodbye.